Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Dave Gustafson, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor here at the chapel, and uh, it's just really a joy to be with you today. You know, thanks to technology, um, we were able to share our message way beyond just one location. So I, I just want to take a moment this morning and give greetings to everyone who's worshiping with us today, whether it's at our Lincoln Park campus or at our acoustic service, which meets on the other side of the parking lot from the Lincoln Park campus. Also, everyone who is listening to our podcast or watching online, great to have you with us today. And we are really excited that uh, two weeks from today, we're going to be expanding our message even further as we open up the brand new Montclair campus. So we are expecting um, very large crowds throughout the course of today. And I just wanted to let you know, just in case you're worried what might happen later, um, what our procedure is for dealing with overcrowding. So we may uh, ask some people to voluntarily give up their seat this morning. Um, If we don't have any volunteers, we were going to specifically ask some people to give up their seat. And if they're not willing, we have ushers who've been trained by United Airlines. And so they will help them to get out. Uh, I know it was bad. I just couldn't resist today. All right. So we are here today to celebrate what I believe is the most significant event in all of history. And I just want to put this in perspective for us a little bit. Here we are this morning, probably several thousand people in this little corner of northern New Jersey. But I want to remind us that there are literally billions of people around the world today who are celebrating this same thing, this crazy idea that a man named Jesus, who lived in the Middle East about 2,000 years ago and wound up getting, getting executed by the Roman government, actually walked out of his tomb alive. And that message, the Easter message, has the power to change us in profound ways. Um, Sometimes we can stop believing that change is even possible. Because, you know, we look at certain things in the world, or maybe you look at certain things in your life, and they've been the same way for so long, and you just kind of give up hope. And Easter is God's way of reminding us that change is truly possible. So today we're going to look at one of the most famous accounts of the resurrection of of that Easter morning, Matthew chapter 28. So it's the very last chapter of Matthew's gospel. This is what we read. After Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God. I believe that what happened this mor- that morning has the power to change us in, in three huge ways. First of all, Easter can change doubt into faith. So the story that we're reading today focuses on the experience of these two women, Mary Magdalene and and the other Mary. Think for a moment about the doubts that must have filled their mind that morning 
I mean, yes, they, they had heard Jesus say several times that after he was killed, he would rise again. But, but when you read the gospel accounts of what happened that morning, it's pretty clear that they struggled to believe that. Think about what they'd seen. On Friday, these women had been part of the crowd around the cross as they watched with their own eyes as Jesus breathed his last. They watched a Roman soldier take a spear and thrust it into Jesus' side just to confirm that he was dead. So when they came to the tomb that Sunday morning, they were expecting to find a dead body. In fact, if you read this account in the Gospel of Mark, Mark adds one additional detail that when the women arrived at the, at the tomb that morning, they were carrying with them burial spices, which was used in that culture to embalm dead bodies. So maybe there was a part of them that wanted to believe what Jesus had said, but, but it seems like that hopeful part was overwhelmed by a whole lot of doubt. So how about you? I mean, what are the things that make you doubt this whole thing sometimes? Maybe you've seen too many hypocrites in the church. Like just this last week, the governor of Alabama stepped down. He was a deacon in his Baptist church, and he was caught in a very inappropriate relationship with a much younger staff member and forced to resign. And maybe you see stuff like that, and you just go, yep, there's another one. Seen too many of those. Or maybe for, for you, you see too many people who equate their faith with some kind of a political position or a political candidate, and it just sickens you. Or maybe as you look at the church, it seems like the church is, is anti-science, anti-gay, anti-women, and, and that just bothers you deeply. Or, or maybe you look at what's going on in the world and you say, how can you say that there's a God who's good and who's powerful when there are dictators unleashing chemical weapon attacks on their own people, and he just stands back and lets it happen? Those are massive issues. I get it. Um, faith is not easy for me either. If you've spent much time around my teaching, you know that I am naturally wired as a skeptic and, and a doubter. But here's what I've learned. Real faith doesn't require that we have all of our questions answered. I mean, there will always be mystery in this life. The question is, when I look at Jesus, when I look at the claims that he made, including this, the claim about this resurrection, um, do I believe that I can trust him? Um, can I entrust my life to him? Interesting, when you start reading from the beginning of the Gospel of John, one of the four Gospels in the New Testament, you start to run into this phrase that gets repeated over and over again. And it's the phrase, come and see. So for people who were, who were um, jaded and, and burned by their religious experience, to people who were skeptical and doubtful about faith, Jesus and his followers didn't try to force anything down anyone's throat. Regularly they said to them, come and see. Come, just come and experience Jesus for yourself. That's what I would say to you. If you came to me with any of the, the doubts that I just mentioned, I would listen to your thoughts. I would probably tell you how I've struggled with those same things. I would try to give you some things to think about. Um, I would try to help you distinguish between the baggage of the church and the actual teaching of the Bible. But ultimately, I would invite you to come and see what Jesus is really like, the way that he lived, the utterly unique way that he understood life and, and, and taught about life, the way that he gave dignity and hope to people who had lost all dignity and hope. Because when you see Jesus, it, it tends to put your questions in a different light. C.S. Lewis, the great author, said it like this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Sometimes when you see Jesus, everything just becomes 
clear. I'm not saying you have perfect answers to all of your questions, but that's okay because you have him. And so this Easter, if you have lived in perpetual doubt, maybe God is calling you from from doubt to faith. Secondly, I believe that Easter has the power to change our anxiety to peace. Back in the 1920s, uh, Franz Kafka wrote his now very famous novel called The Trial. It's the story about this, this guy who, out of the blue, on his 30th birthday, gets arrested. Nobody will tell him what he did wrong. And they don't put him in jail. They let him go free, but they say to him, you're going to have to face trial. And the whole rest of this book, the guy is trying to figure out what he did wrong, who's going to be judging him, but he can never get any answers to his questions. Incredibly frustrating. And I'm not going to tell you how the book ends because it's kind of depressing, but here's the point that Kafka was making. All of us as humans wrestle with our conscience. There are times that we just feel, we feel guilty and we're not sure what to do with that. Can anybody relate to that? You ever feel, feel guilt about anything? Two of you. The rest of you have no soul. That's okay. <laughs> That's a universal human experience, right? We, we, we have this thing in us that, that something says that we, we, we're accountable to someone. We haven't done everything quite right. We're not sure what to do with that. Sigmund Freud wrote a lot about guilt and conscience, and the way he tried to understand it was that the reason we feel this way is not because of any kind of a God or a higher power or or any kind of absolute truth. It's purely the product of the society that we're brought up in. And so the trick is to to rise above that and not let ourselves be dragged down by that. The Bible has a different explanation for the guilt and the anxiety that we feel. The Bible says that that conscience is actually a God-given thing. And it has a good purpose, but it can also be silenced or shut off. I will never forget, I was probably 19 or 20 years old. I was driving in my car, and the check engine light came on the dashboard. I was, I was scared because I didn't know what to do. And I knew that if there was anything wrong with my car, I didn't have any money to fix it. And so my solution for the problem, I'm not making this up, is I took a piece of duct tape and I covered the light up. <laughs> it's hard to believe how stupid I actually was back then. Um, Our conscience is like a warning light. And the thing that it's warning us about is sin. I know that's not a popular thing to talk about. Uh, Freud did not like talking about it. The teaching of the Bible is that sin is a real thing and it's good for us to be aware of the sin in our lives. Why would it be good? Because sin is the thing that messes us up. It's the thing that makes us self-centered. It's the thing that makes us prideful and greedy. It causes problems in our personal world because it makes us uh, short-tempered with other people. It makes us look at things from only our own perspective. It's the thing that causes international problems in the world. We need to be aware of it. It's destructive. Well, what does all that have to do with Easter? Look what happened after the women had encountered the angel and they started running to tell the disciples. Matthew 28, verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Which to me, by the way, is just one of the biggest understatements in in history, right? I mean, I would have gone like, I'm back, or something more dramatic than that. He just says, how you doing? Greetings. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You know the brothers he's talking about? He's talking about the disciples who promised they would never desert him. They would always stand by him. And yet when the arrest happened in the garden on that that late that Thursday night, early that Friday morning, all of them deserted him. They all turned tail and ran for their own safety. 
And so when Jesus is speaking to the women, he didn't say, you tell those pathetic, backstabbing deserters, I might see them if they're lucky, if they beg me for mercy. Jesus says, I wanna see those guys. And I cannot underestimate or over, overstate how important this is. Because what it means is that Jesus was pursuing a relationship with people, not because they performed well, because they hadn't, but simply because of his love and his grace for them. That is incredibly good news. And it has the power to change us internally. Somebody says, well, isn't that great? Jesus was willing to overlook their sin. No, Jesus didn't overlook anything. He died for it. On the cross, Jesus paid the price for that sin. And Easter is the ultimate statement that even our worst mistakes, even the things that we regret the most, the things that have hurt other people the most in our lives and bother our conscience, even those things can be forgiven because of the cross of Jesus Christ. The more I realize that, the more it makes me humbled and grateful to God the more it makes me want to forgive the people who wronged me because I want to treat them the way that God has treated me. It is possible to be eaten up with anxiety and regret over the mistakes in our lives, over facing God for those things. And the more I believe in Easter, the more my anxiety gets replaced by this peace because Jesus says, I want to be with you. Third, Easter has the power to change aimlessness into purpose. I want to read a little bit more of uh, this section of the story, the last section. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew concludes, very end of the book, concludes like this, Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I've always loved the honesty of that. Even then, some people still doubted, and that was okay. Jesus didn't beat them up for being human. Keep going, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now stop for a minute and think of what Jesus could have said at this moment. He could have said, my friends, I have conquered death I've paid for sin, you are forgiven. You have a ticket to heaven. Go back and live your life. Go to church on Sunday. Don't get any, any big trouble. If you wanna be really radical, pray before meals at public restaurants, and I'll see you in heaven. But he didn't say that. What did he say to them? Go. The last words Jesus says to his disciples are, you cannot go back to your same old life because I came to earth on a mission and now I'm handing the mission over to you and I will be with you in everything you do. Go out in the world. We've been so gripped by this at Jacksonville Chapel because we have realized, we look around North Jersey and we see, for example, that did you know New Jersey leads the nation in the rate of autism births? And I don't know why that is, but we are raising up an army of people who are ministering to and including people with special needs of all kinds in our church family. We think that's the kind of thing Jesus would do because that's the kind of thing that, that he did do. We've noticed that the, the heroin epidemic is out of control in our state, and so we are expanding our addiction recovery ministry to give hope and to give healing to people who are caught in, in the trap of addiction. We see young mothers who are feeling disconnected and, and unsupported, and we've developed this community of mothers of preschoolers, which is expanding rapidly. 
We look out beyond the security of our suburbs and we see these disasters hitting different parts of our country and we have begun mobilizing and sending teams to bring relief in the name of Christ to all of those areas. Jesus says to us, your your job now is to go. Bring the message of Christ and the hope of Christ around the world. It's gonna be messy and it's gonna be risky and it's gonna be dangerous, but I promise that I will be with you always. As you look at your life, do you find in yourself that kind, of, that kind of purpose? Like, is there something that gets you out of bed in the morning because you say, I know why I've been put on this earth? When we decide to align our lives with Jesus Christ, he fills us with a restlessness and a boredom with the typical American dream, and he fills us with a passion to go. I'm not saying that he necessarily will call you to quit your job so you can go feed people in Africa or you know, start a church for street people in India. Maybe those are good things. But what I mean is that he will fill you with the ability to open your eyes to the needs around you. He will fill you with a love that you've never had before for the people around you because that's how he was. And he will give you this, this inner drive to go and make a difference in this world. Um, maybe this Easter, God is calling you from a life of aimlessness to status quo from that to a life of purpose. See, the message of Easter has the power to change us in, in powerful ways. And we so need to know that because, you know, sometimes you look at things and it just doesn't seem like things will ever change. You know, those two women who went to the tomb that morning, from everything their eyes could see, Caesar was invincible, and Jesus was dead, and it would never change. 2,000 years later, Caesar is the name of a salad dressing, and a pizza place, and not even a very good one. And the risen Christ is being worshipped by billions of people today. What a difference Easter makes. What would it mean for you to take a step toward the risen Christ today? There's an author I read named John Ortberg, and he talks about a friend of his who was into hang gliding. And one day he invited his friend John to come out and watch him hang glide. And he said, you know, when we're up there in the mountain, I have something I want to give you. So they went up there and he met some of the other hang gliding people and he kind of learned how the equipment worked. He learned how the harnesses hold you in and, and how the aerodynamics of hang gliding work. And when they were up there in the mountain, his friend said, okay, now here's the thing I want to give you. Today, you're going to go hang gliding with me. So they got all harnessed up and they walked to the edge of the cliff and he looked over the edge and and suddenly this thing that sounded so cool when it was about other people sounded terrifying. And he started to think about all the things that could go wrong. The harness could give out and fail. There could be a tornado that that blew in. Um, He could be attacked by a large bird while he was up there. He pictured his body splattered on the ground. He imagined his kids without a father. Pictured his wife without a husband dating other men. And just none of it sounded good to him. Isn't it interesting how we can sit in church and we can hear these stories about people's faith and we can talk about how great it is to follow Christ. And then you step out of the bubble of church and you walk into the real world and suddenly it sounds a little scary. And it becomes so tempting just to retreat into your comfort zone. As you think about your own spiritual life, Have you been resisting this still, quiet voice in your heart that tells you there's something more and I need to take a a step, take a big leap toward Jesus? Maybe it's time to stop resisting that voice and just go for it and open your heart to Christ for the first time. Life is short. 
Or maybe you say, no, 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 I'm there, I'm a believer, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, and yet when you look at your life, it's so safe, it's so predictable, it's so unrisky, the people around you wouldn't even know that you're a follower of Christ. And it's time to take that big jump toward him and put yourself in his arms. Reflecting back on that moment on, on the mountain, John Ortberg wrote this. If I leap, if I trust, I do not know for sure what will happen. What I do know is this. If I don't leap, if I don't trust, if I don't hope, if I don't ask, I will never soar. I will never know. I will live and grow old and die standing on the side of that cliff. This Easter Sunday, my prayer for every one of us is that we will be so bored and so dissatisfied with the typical American dream and the safety of living on the side of the cliff and that we will be so changed by the truth of Jesus and his resurrection that we will leap toward him. Because if this is all real, and it is, it is just so worth the risk. Would you rise for our closing? And as we close today, I would like to offer a prayer for anyone who's ready for a step of faith. You know, the Gospel of John, it says, to those who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. And so if you look at yourself and you say, you know, I don't think I've ever received Christ. I've never opened my heart in faith to him. This is your day. This is your opportunity to do that. I'm going to pray out loud. Make this your prayer in the quietness of your heart. Join me in prayer. And if you need to receive Christ today, say something like this to him. God, thank you for bringing me here on this Easter Sunday. I realize today how much I need you. Lord, I need the change that only you can bring. I need your forgiveness for my sins. I need your hope. And so this morning, I open up my heart and receive Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for making me your child. Change my life. And Lord, on behalf of all of us, we thank you this morning for the incredibly good news that death has been conquered that Jesus has risen again. I pray that we would walk out from here today with hope, with the ability and the willingness to go out and take risks and show love in the name of Christ. Lord, may we represent Jesus so well in all the places that you send us. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray now. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed Easter. We'll see you soon.